Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay, hello everybody. I am David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. Happy Valentine's Day, maybe, when this goes on. Okay, it might be fun. there. It Super could be. Bowl is ended. Go Chiefs. I prophesy that the Chiefs will win. Oh, so let's Garrett's see. Garrett's going to be so mad at you. Garrett, my cousin plays for the Chiefs. So, oh, okay. Sorry. He's a little bit happier. Yeah, I like the Niners too a lot. So I He just... loves Joe Staley. Okay, but. It's fine. You vote for the yeah. Chiefs, we'll vote for the 49ers. Okay, so when it's over by the time you watch this. so <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm happier than he is. Okay, okay so glad you're here. We're going to jump right in. This is 2 Nephi chapter 6 through 10. Um, we're, is... uh, we're so excited. Let me say why we're okay. so excited. Okay. He always starts every time. I'm going to start. I already started. Time. It's going. <laughs> okay, so let me just say this. How many people skip Second Nephi? That's just what just I want to say. Don't make any jokes. I don't know any. Do you know any? No, jokes? but every gospel doctor class is gonna start like this. But like, well, <laughs> okay. is coming. Okay, listen. <laughs> this is what I'm gonna say. When I was 16 years old, it was really in back then to do Moroni's promise. That's what it was called. Did you do this in Texas? And you would read the whole Book of Mormon, and you would have captains of ten and. No. Captains of 50, and you all read it together, and there we were things you barbecue. do in the middle. Everyone does that in Texas. That is not novel. Now you're making us all hungry. <laughs> so, when we were going to do it with my ward, my youth group. Wait, you read it like in a day? No, you read it over like six months. But and why do you have captains? Because they check on you. It's, oh. It was actually really fun. You had captains of 10, and then they were under captains of 50. And so they watched you, and your captain of 10 checked up on you every Sunday. And if you weren't, no, it's from the Book of Mormon. Remember they had captains of 10 and cap, we'll get there. Don't okay. worry, I'll show you that part when we I thought there. that was from the Trek West. And this. Is that where Brigham Young got the idea? Probably. Oh. So they would check on you on Sunday, and if you weren't caught up, your captain of 10 caught you up. That's what happened. Well... But this was a lot of explanation to tell you. In my ward, they decided we weren't going to read Second Nephi because they thought everyone would quit reading and we wouldn't get to the end of the book. And we have talked about this already that I kind of have a stubborn personality, remember? And I was like, why are they telling me I can't read Second Nephi? I'm sure I can do it. And so I went into Second Nephi thinking, I'm going to love Isaiah. I just am because everyone told me I was going to hate him. So I will do whatever it takes to love Isaiah. And everyone, I honestly love Isaiah so much. It's seriously, it's one of my favorite books of all of scripture. And when I tell people that, they're always like, but why? What, what is it you love about Isaiah? And what makes it easier? And I will tell you, there's one thing that solved the problem for me. But what I love is Nephi's gonna actually give us a list of things that are gonna help us love Isaiah. And I promise you, they work. Like Nephi knew what he was talking about. Um, when he taught us how to read Isaiah. So before we even go to whatever today is, you usually tell what today is. I, oh yeah, 6 through 10. So we Nephi, move out of the way of the board. Oh. Um, but before we even do 6 through 10, everybody, we're going to 2 Nephi 25. Because Nephi is going to tell us how to love Isaiah, and we are going to trust him that he knows 
what he's talking about. Yeah, so this is after the big chunk of Isaiah chapters that's in 2 Nephi. At the end of that is when he kind of gives the tips. He should have given it at the beginning. But here is where they are. Because we're going to give it at the beginning. So then we're all going to be fine. So, so this lesson is a little bit from Isaiah. And then next lesson we'll have a lot bit from Isaiah. And so we're just we giving start, it to you now. Yeah, yeah, because we want you to be able to start practicing these seven things. So you see a place here with seven keys. And you're just going to write the keys down. Um, I will tell you this, the first time I read Isaiah, I only used the seventh key. That's all I used. But all of them are so helpful. So we're going to talk about all of them and then you will just figure them out and try them in your reading this time and see if you love Second Nephi more than you ever have before in your entire life because you might. So look, we'll tell you the verses where you find these. The first one is chapter 25. In verse 1, he's going to tell you, Isaiah spoke many things which were hard for many of my people to understand. So we love that we're like in the same boat. It was hard back then, hard now. We trust Nephi even more because he Knows. is going to meet yeah. us where we are. And he says, part of the reason why it was hard is because the people didn't know concerning the manner of prophesying among the Jews. So he tells you that. And a little bit farther over, he's going to talk about um, in verse 5. In order to understand it, the last verse of five, um, the only way you understand it is if you were taught after the manner of the things of the Jews. So you need to know the prophesying of the Jews, the things of the Jews, and then in verse six, he tells you, and concerning the regions roundabout. So let's explain what does that mean. Okay. So the prophesying of the Jews is what you should know is it's a really Western style, American style to go beginning, middle, end. And that is not a Jewish way of prophesying. So Isaiah's not going to go in order. So something that's really helpful, and I wonder how we can help out with this actually, now that I'm saying it, is if you know the whole timeline of the covenant story of Israel um, from the very beginning with Abraham all the way to the millennium. Can you and just give he, it in short? Just kind of give people a short synopsis of it. Yes. That'd be so helpful. Okay, that God is going to initiate a covenant relationship, and he's going to use the house of Israel to like take the salvation. And, and the, the house of Israel is going to come from? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this remember Jacob family, had, 12 sons. And they become the, the 12. tribes of Israel. And this family is going to take the rescue of God to the world. But instead they reject God. And so they fall into trouble because they have big bad neighbors. And so they're scattered. So we have the lost 10 tribes. And then the two tribes are scattered to Babylon and they come back. And the story is that God keeps reaching out to this family. So they've been scattered, but and then um, he's going to send Jesus, you know, into one of the two tribes that are still there. They're brought back to Jerusalem. He's going to send Jesus. Um, there's going to be a rejection again from the Jews are going to reject Jesus. So then he's going to move to the Gentiles, non-Jews, and bring the gospel to them. And then there's going to be a gathering of those 10 tribes back. To the covenant until eventually we get to the millennium. Wait, don't forget the second coming. Then there's a second coming. Okay, because there's so many good second coming prophecies. Yeah, and then the millennium when all the prophecies and promises are fulfilled. So it's the whole covenant story and Isaiah is going to go like this. Boop, boop. All, all Jewish prophets do this. It's like, so if you know the timeline, they're just going to hop around like this. I should, I should, we'll put a link in the newsletter to yeah. a really, really helpful um, timeline for people to see. 
Okay. Something you're going to know about Isaiah. And then the things of the Jews are, they just, um, there were certain countries that were in control back then. There were capital cities, there were kings, queens, um, like all the wars and all those things were going on and everybody knew. Nephi is... And not just the wars and the people, but you also want to know like the culture and the traditions and um, the, the laws and how those things fit in and the scenery. So sometimes it's a little confusing. Um, a study Bible, which we talk about that all the time, if you wanted to get a King James version, so a KJV study Bible, you can find one on Amazon. It will match ours. It just won't have the footnotes at the bottom. And where our footnotes are, it's gonna have a lot of information of those things, the prophecies, what the place looks like, and also the customs of the people. That's what you're going to find down there. So and don't get the new King James. Get the King James, KJV. And you just want to read that Isaiah with this Isaiah. And there will be tips down there that are going to help you understand it better. Yeah, and another book. I actually just saw Desiree book. It's paperback now. But you might want the like the Kindle version or whatever it's called. The bookshelf version. It's the Book of Mormon Reference Companion. I think Dennis Largy is the editor of it. That book is worth it uh, just for the Isaiah chapters. So get the paperback, get one of those coupons, or get it you know, on, on the bookshelf or something like that. And honestly, it's worth it just for understanding. That's when you really want to dig in. This year might not be your year. Yeah. So number seven is going to be for you. If you're like, I don't want that much of Isaiah, just hold out for number but seven. But some year, you might really want to dig in. And a study Bible and that Dennis Largy book are going to be seriously like probably all you need like yeah. they're just it'll, fantastic it'll be so good okay so that's number one you need to understand the prophecies the things and the the land um number two is going to be in verse three um you're going to be watching as you read through here isaiah is going to teach you about the judgments of god so you may just as you read be looking for prophecies number one number two judgments what are god's judgments what do i learn about them what was going to happen to the first ten tribes what happens after Jesus comes the first time? What happens um, at the second coming and those judgments? You you can watch for judgments, he tells you. And part of that is that there's a happy ending, that the enemies are finally defeated in the end. Like Jesus came, died for our sins, and it almost feels like the devil's still in control. There's just a promise in Isaiah that one day um, God will um, defeat the devil once and for all. Um. Yes, and we love that part. Third, um, you're going to be watching for the spirit of prophecy and reading with the spirit of prophecy. So not just the prophecies looking back, but the prophecies looking forward and watching for those. Which ones are going to be part of our lifetime? Which are future from us? Just keep an eye out for prophecies as you go. And particularly hope, right? And then I think you're going to link that into this bottom one. Yes, with the real yeah, one. we will. Yep. Um, okay, in verse 5, I love this. It's almost like a challenge from Nephi. Um, Yea, and my soul delighteth in the words of Isaiah. Um, let yourself delight in them. Don't enter into it thinking nobody understands Isaiah. I'm going to hate Isaiah. I should skip Isaiah. Like, go into it with an open mind. That I'm actually, there's going to be something in these chapters that I'm going to delight in, that I'm going to love. Go into it with that frame of mind. And it might be fun for you to know that Isaiah is as far away from Nephi as Joseph Smith is from us. Like that's about their gap from each other. So 
far, he wouldn't have known anyone who knew him, but kind of close enough that there would have been some yeah, sort like of kinship. His, his it's my, my people. Yeah, yeah. My, my time. Um, then in um, number five, I love this one um, because he's going to talk about um, in, what did you write down for five? One, two, oh, yeah. three, Pro four, We're going to talk about prophecies again, and this one's going to be last day's prophecies. Um, so in the days, he says this in verse 7. Nevertheless, in the days that the prophecies of Isaiah shall be fulfilled, men shall know of a surety at the times when they come to pass. So I love the fact that you're going to read some prophecies in here that are not the ten tribes, the first ones we talked about, and not when Jesus came, the second ones we talk about, but are like our prophecies, the prophecies of our time and our day. You want to be watching for those. Um, what do those look like? And right on the heels of that is number six, which says it's actually a promise given to us. They are of worth unto the children of men, and he that thinks that they are not unto him will I speak particularly. Um, for I know that they shall be of great worth unto them in the last days. That's us. So they're going to be, what he chose to put in here is going to be of great worth to us. For in that day shall they understand them. Wherefore, for their good have I written them. And I love that. I love it. Nephi's like, listen, you're going to understand these because you are living in the time where a lot of these are going to come to pass. They're just going to make sense. You'll read it and you'll be like, oh yeah, I know what he's talking about. That makes sense to me. And we're just right on the cusp of all the covenant promises finally coming to pass. President Nelson is really into the gathering of Israel, which is which is exactly what this is all about, which is this like, wait, finally one day the whole family is going to be anxiously gathered together in through the millennium as part of that. And we just kind of live in the most exciting time <laughs> of it all. And so it's like, he's like, listen, if you live in the last day, check that one off, like, because you're just right in the thick of it. What's interesting is... The Bible tells us what the covenant promises actually are in the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here's what they are. And so the Book of Mormon kind of needs the Bible so you know what they are. But then the Bible needs the Book of Mormon because the Book of Mormon tells the covenant story from beginning to end. Let me show you how God's going to keep reaching out and finally fulfill everything he promised in the very beginning. And so... Jacob 5, the allegory of mm -hmm. the tree is the whole story. Isaiah is going to tell parts of the whole story just out of order. Jesus is going to come and tell the whole story. And so the Book of Mormon provides several spots where you're like, oh, there's the whole covenant story. Yeah, it's so good. Um, okay, this is the last one. And if you are new to Isaiah, this is the one you might want to try. This is what I did the first time I read Isaiah when I was 16. With her captains. With my captains of 10. Um so it says, um, he's going to talk about Jesus right now and how he's going to raise from the dead with healing in his wings and all those who shall believe on his name shall be saved in the kingdom of God. Um, and this is coming on the heels of everything he's teaching us about Isaiah. And he says, wherefore, my soul delighteth to prophesy concerning him, for I have seen his day and my heart doth magnify his holy name. And one of the things I love is that from Isaiah, Nephi learned to watch for Jesus to come. He saw Jesus's day and it was Isaiah who's going to teach Nephi, watch for Jesus Christ. That's what you want to do. That's what I did the first time I read Isaiah. I read through the whole thing 
And the only thing I marked was any description I found of Jesus Christ. Anything. And Isaiah might be the best, paints the best visual pictures of Jesus of anyone who's ever written. Um, he just does a really good job of telling you who Jesus is through pictures of who he is. Isaiah is a poet. He kind of mm -hmm. writes as a poet. It's a very figurative language. He puzzles things together. And so you have to enter into it willing to puzzle things out and, and to see. Like you want to be looking at what he's talking about more than hearing what he's talking about. And if you just go in looking for everything you can learn about Jesus and that's all you mark and that's all you write down, you will come out of Isaiah loving Jesus more and then you love Isaiah more. Yeah, even the phrase that you just read as you were like looking for that phrase that he comes with healing in his wings. Like Jesus has no wings. We wish he did. But he has no wings. But like wings in an ancient culture were um, symbols of power. Mm -hmm. uh, to move and to do things, right? And and so that imagery is he has power to move people and to, and to bring about healing, mm -hmm. whatever he needs to do. So one of the things that you're going to learn most about the character of Jesus in the story of Isaiah is, in the writings of Isaiah, is what, what was promised on the title page, that you're going to watch him keep reaching out, keep doing all the things that he can and will to like gather in you know, the covenant family. There's those wings again, right? Mm -hmm. To like a hen. He's going to use that imagery to gather in. And frankly, he becomes like one of these three like sentinels at the beginning of the book. Nephi, Jacob, and Isaiah, who all tell you, I, we've seen him. He's ministered to us personally. And so at the beginning of the book, you've got these three witnesses of him that is just fantastic. So... It's, so we it's thought it would be stuff. fun today to do just an introduction to Isaiah and we're going to do one little part of just puzzling through it and letting you experience like visualizing what's happening. Um, I picked this one on purpose because it is really, it really is a puzzle. So it's going to require us to think through it. And then we're just going to jump into um, Nephi's teachings again. So this is a good like bridge into Isaiah. So you want to turn to chapter 7. And um, this is going to come out of Isaiah 50. That's what we would compare to. So that's where um, Nephi is pulling it out of. If you pulled out Isaiah 50 and laid it beside this, they'd be similar um, all the way through. And he's going to go through and he's going to talk to you about this. Now, what we're going to do is just look at the last two verses. It's also really helpful with Isaiah to take it in bite-sized pieces. So... We're going to look at the last two verses, and let me just tell you this story, which please don't think I'm weird when this happens. This is just <laughs> part of my life. So he's like, oh no, what is about to happen right now? Um, I love an intro like that. So when my boys were growing up, Josh was a diabetic, and um, this is the kind of diabetic Josh was. If he exercised at all during the day, it just meant we were going to be up all night. That is just true about having Josh with diabetes. And so I pretty much just didn't sleep for the whole time Josh was under the age of 18 because what boy doesn't go out and do stuff? And one night I woke up and I came down and tested him and got him all the juice he needed, everything he needed. Everything was fine. The whole world was fine. I walked up to my room oh, just you said as juice. I was juice. I was like, why did you bring him a Jew? Juice. <laughs> Down to his bedroom. I was like, what? It was Capri okay. Suns, everybody. Juice, juice, sorry. And, um, <laughs> I was like, 
I'm like, what? That doesn't even make sense. I was sense. like, it is weird. <laughs> okay, this is the weird part. I walked up the stairs. I walked right in the threshold to my room. And as I did, sometimes the Spirit talks to me in scriptures. I don't know why that happens. I can't even explain why it happens. You've heard me tell stories before where it's happened. It just does. I don't know why. But that is just true about me. As I walked in the room, the Spirit said to me, This shall ye have of mine hand. Ye shall lie down in sorrow. And I was like, what? Then I ran back down to check on Josh again because I was like, maybe it is like a warning. Like, go check him again. He is fine. So then I came upstairs. Obviously, I couldn't sleep because I was like, you're going to lie down in sorrow. Why is things going to be so sad? I hate sad things. We've talked about this before. I can't even go to sad movies. I don't read sad books. My kids protect me from everything in the world that has anything sad in it. So I lay on my bed. I wrote the words down because I was like, okay, this is important for some reason. I don't know why. And I finally fell back asleep. And the next morning I woke up and I started looking through the topical guide to try and figure out what is this even talking about? Interestingly, at the same time, I had been really worried about a friend who was struggling with his faith in the church and what was happening in the church. And so I, I figured out where it was. It was in Isaiah. I opened up and um, I started to read. And as I read, I was like, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this. Like, you know, sometimes we talk about where the scriptures translated wrong. It was one of those moments where I was like, Something is not quite right about this. So I'm going to read it to you. And it might help you if you draw as I'm reading it to you. And I just want you to point out what is wrong. Okay? You be thinking about it. What is wrong with what I'm going to tell you? Okay. Verse 10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord? Remember, fear is a word we can always change when it's talking about the Lord to reverence or respect. So who is among you? that reverences the Lord or respects the Lord, um, that obeys the voice of his servant, that would be the prophet, so that obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light. What's the problem? That if you fear the Lord and obey his servants, you should walk in light, yeah. not in darkness. Not in darkness. Something's wrong with that when you read it. I was like, wait a minute, what's even happening here? Because... If I fear the Lord, then that means I'm keeping his commandments. I'm going to church. I'm reading the scriptures. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do. And if I'm, um, if I am obeying the voice of his servant, it means I'm listening to general conference. I'm, I'm doing all those things, right? I'm doing them. Why am I walking in darkness? Which makes you have to ask this question next. Do you know anyone who does all those things and is considering leaving the church? Um, because as I looked at um, the people I knew at that time, yeah, they were going to church every single Sunday. Um, and I don't know if they were reading their scriptures anymore. I don't know if they were praying, but they were going through the motions, which is what is happening right here. Th this person's going through the motions. But for some reason, instead of walking in light, which is what should be happening, they're walking in darkness. Which immediately makes you want to read verse 11 because you're like, why are they walking in darkness? And then it says, behold, all ye that kindle fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks which ye have kindled. Then it says this, this shall ye have of mine hand, ye shall lie down in sorrow. 
So again, I just sat there and I thought, okay, something's wrong with the fire. Like there's something wrong with the kindling or the sparks or something's wrong because going through, reverencing the Lord and obeying the prophets and light and fire should not lead me to lie down in sorrow. Mm. So then it made me go through and start looking at what's wrong with verse 11. And one thing that you're going to notice there and that you want to ask yourself is, whose fire is it? Whose light is it that they've compassed themselves about with? And you see how interesting it is? It's ye kindle your fire and the sparks which you have kindled. You're trying to create your own light. Mm. And if that's what you're doing, doesn't matter if you're going through the motions. If, if the light that you're trying to bring in is coming from your own, then it's not going to be enough. In the end, you're going to lie down in sorrow. What he's teaching us is the light has to come from Jesus. He is the light, right? We we're told that over and over again. He's the light. So it's not enough just to be going through the motions of the prophet and the commandments. Those two things are not going to help you. That's what the Pharisees were doing, right? That's what the Sadducees were doing. They were keeping the law. They were holding on to the prophets. Their whole life was that. And what Isaiah says, which would have been really helpful for the Pharisees when they read this part, is if you're holding on to the law only and the prophets only, and you're not allowing Jesus into the equation, then your life is going to be filled with darkness and sorrow. That is what will happen to you. Yeah, and it's reminding me of, remember we talked about the tree of life, the difference between those two groups, the one that stays mm -hmm. and the one that leaves, and the difference was... Routine versus, versus relationship. Relationship, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, if you're kindling your own faith and your own flame in the things that you're doing, it's just like, I am... You know? Yeah, I'm earning You've my... Become the he if you're yeah. the hero of your faith story, you know? And, and sometimes when we talk about faith, we can use it. We've talked about this before, that it's like, oh, if I would muster up enough faith, if I would be mm -hmm. righteous enough. And remember last week, Lee, I says to Jacob, you're redeemed because of the righteousness of the Redeemer, not because of you. And that's neat that there's a father trying to kindle that mm -hmm. in his son. Right. Um, I love, I was listening to a song last week and I don't know what it was, but it had the neatest line in it that talked about um, sometimes we focus so much on wanting the healing that we miss the healer. Mm. And it's almost as if that's what was happening. Like we're so... Help me want the healer. Is that it? Is that yeah. the song? Okay. You only have to look it up. I just um, gave it to you for free. Okay. Well, what's the name of it? I don't know, but I love that song. Yeah. Help I, me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the Savior more, more than, than the, the saving. saving. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's the song yeah. I was listening to. It was so good. Um, but it made me think, somehow we can go through religion and miss Jesus by mm -hmm. accident. And what Isaiah is teaching long before Jesus even would come is, be really careful that you don't get so caught up in the check marks and the routine and, and the scorekeeping and trying to earn what you think religion is, that you accidentally miss Jesus because that's the most important part. Because you can almost hear someone say, like in venting, I do church, I do all the things. And it's like, well, why were you doing it? Yes. 
Why were you doing it? If they weren't, if you weren't doing it to find him, to like be warmed by his, like, why are you reading your scriptures? To create your own, build your mansion in heaven? Or was he the fire mm-hmm. and you were coming closer to it to be warmed or, you know, yes. to be led by and them? I think that's the important part is at some point we have to stop everything we're di- doing and say, who is Jesus to me? Mm-hmm. And where have I seen him lately? And what is he doing in my life? Because if Jesus is just a future savior for you, it's someone you need at the judgment day. It's a, it's hard to be in a relationship with someone that you're not really close to until the end. Um, I love when Nephi talks about in Second Nephi 33, and we will for sure talk about this, but I glory in my Jesus, he says. And I love the thought that you're so close to him that he becomes your companion. It's who you know Jesus to be because of your personal experience and the way your life has gone. And are we living in such a way that that he is our light and he's what kindles us and what sparks us and what is everything about what we're doing. He's the reason why we go to church. He's the reason why we obey the prophets is because we just want to know more about him. Yeah, and I love how this chapter even starts with this description of him where he's saying, have I put you away or cast you off forever? He's talking to a rebellious Israel. Where's the bill of your mother's divorcement? Have, have, I, have I like divorced you away from me? Have I sold you to the creditors? Have I done any of those things to you? No, and I think we don't want to just see him in. It's neat that Isaiah is going to show him an Israel story. And make sure you know that like this is your story mm-hmm. also. Yep. You know, I even love anytime we say Israel. Remember Jacob's name meant supplanter, deceiver. His story was, I tried to do things my way until he realized to rely on God. And then um, he was given that new name, mm-hmm. Israel, which means um, strength in God. Now I know how to like rely on him. Like the story of Israel is a story of grace because that's what that word means. Yep. It's just awesome. So there's your introduction. Did you Isaiah. like it? Did you love Isaiah? I think you're going to love Isaiah. Yeah, try another translation if it can help you. Try those study Bibles if you want to see, like, wait, what's really happening here? Again, this might not be your year. Um, (laughs) It's okay. We're going to come back to some more fun stuff, too. Um, Jacob kind of takes over the pen for a minute in in chapter 9. And this is one of these chapters that is just, when we say that the Book of Mormon is a testament of Jesus Christ, um, this is one of those spots that just kind of, like, floats to the top where you're just like, what a chapter. To read this from beginning to end, it's a praising chapter. It's one where Jacob's like, oh, like exclamation points about Jesus in here. He's standing up and clapping in church in this one. I don't know if you can, but Jacob does. Um, so this chapter kind of became meaningful to me at one time because uh, we're sitting around our house and Christian was so into like all the Mormon messages and the pictures that all had like pain and death in them, like the scorpion Mormon message and um, <laughs> and, like Abinadi in the fire. Like he'd be looking at it in church and I was always like, you know, like turning his page for him. Like, dude, get to, like, go to the baptism chapter or something, man. Like, what are you, like Samuel with the arrows. He's like, did one hit him? And I'm like, stop. You're, you're such a freak. Like, don't look at all those. Um, but uh, one day we were sitting at our house and he's got the, 
picture book open and he gets to a picture of the crucifixion and I'm just kind of watching him and he really softly like touches the spots where Jesus's hands and feet were nailed to the cross you know and then he looks up at me and sees that I'm watching him and he asks hey dad how come Jesus had to get the spikes and uh and he was like five at the time. And what, what do you even say to a five-year-old about that? And uh, my first answer was from Alma. I said, well, to satisfy the infinite demands of justice. What in the world <laughs> happened there? That's when you were a seminary teacher for just a second. I just was like, mm, the Spirit speaks to me in Scripture. And so I decided to speak back. And Jenny kind of gave me the nice try look. And then I remembered Jacob's sermon here in chapter 9 and it's actually one about monsters man the why jesus had to get the spikes is so hard to know it seems almost metaphysical you know what is it and so all these prophets speak in metaphors to help us like love and appreciate them even if we don't have the capacity to understand like what is that what's the reason like give it like lay it out for me legally or lay it out for me and each prophet seems to give a different type of metaphor. And Jacob's is one about monsters. And, and so I actually um, said to Christian, I said, well, um, he says there's two monsters and their names are death and sin. And it's funny because all my kids know this. And then when they grow up a little bit, they'll like ask like, dad, are, are there like real monsters, <laughs> death and sin in the world? And I'm like, yeah, like they're real. And like, no, 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 like, like monsters or are they just a thing you know <laughs> but jacob's so scared of them and they're so like they then he calls them monsters but so i said to christian okay do you think let's pretend mom is um heaven and uh mom is the presence of god and that's where you want to go do you do you, would you want to go there and he's like yeah and i was like okay run to her and i grabbed him and held on to him and because i'm so strong um, he couldn't get out of, my, of my grip. Because he was five, everyone. <laughs> and, and he's trying to go. And then he's like, you can't get there, huh? And I was like, I'm the monsters. I'm death and sin. And they have hold on us. And they're grasping us and they're holding us back. Um, when Jesus died, when Jesus got the spikes, it gave him power to defeat those monsters. And so then I just uh, died and Christian <laughs> ran on. Um, and it's always been like a really, really neat chapter to me to read this. There's actually some scary words in here um, where he says, man, had Jesus never come. He said, this is verse eight. If the flesh should rise no more, our spirits would become subject to that angel who fell from the presence of God and became the devil. Our spirits would have been like unto him. Devils to an angel shut out from the presence of God remain with him um, forever and ever it's just like this, like, oh, but then verse 10, that's the problem, right? Are the monsters of sin and death and, and the hold they have on us. But then 10, you love, Jacob says, oh, how great the goodness of our God who prepareth a way for our escape from the grasp of that awful monster, the monster death and hell. And because of the way of deliverance of our God, this death of which I've spoken of the temporal shall deliver up its dead. Um, which death is the grave. And it's just like over and over. It's like 
You might, one time I went through this chapter and circled all the O's. Oh. Like, like because every time he starts with O, he's just like, oh, how great is God for this? Oh, how great is God for this? And I think it's so interesting. It's not very often you find exclamation marks in scripture. Whenever I find one, I circle it. Because I'm like, this was important enough to merit an exclamation mark. <laughs> or all caps, right? Um if you were reading and, and someone had written it in our day, it would just be in all caps. And I love in 13 when it talks about, oh, how great the plan of our God. And I think it might be really interesting to take some time and just talk about the plan of salvation, the plan of happiness. I had a really interesting experience last year about this same time. Um, I had been asked if I would substitute for the 14-year-old class. We might have talked about this last year because this, this was an experience that seriously changed my life. And I got called Sunday morning to go in and substitute, but I love teaching youth Sunday school. is my favorite. And so I went in and um, I just grabbed pieces of paper from the library on my way in, blank pieces of paper. And I, when I got in there, I split all the kids into groups. And I was like, everybody, I want you to get together in your group and I want you to draw the plan of salvation, whatever you know about the plan of salvation. Which was really interesting because in seminary, we teach the plan of salvation twice a year at the beginning of every semester. We have an entire day where we teach the plan and really everybody knows what to do. We, we all draw the same circles and arrows and there's pre-moral life and mortality and there's the judgment and there's the three circles at the end. I mean, we all know exactly what to do. Yes, the blob of outer darkness. <laughs> like it's, they all look the same always, which is kind of what I was planning on. But what happened is it didn't go as planned. Um, there was a moment when they were all done and I had everybody put their papers in the middle of the floor. And that moment was like life-changing for me. So much so that after the class was over, I went home and I could not stop thinking about it. And Monday I was still thinking about it. And on Tuesday when I still was thinking about it, I was like, I got to go back to the church and get those papers out of the garbage can. So I called my, my bishop is my next door neighbor. So I called him and asked if I could borrow the keys to the church. And he was like, yeah, what are you going to do with them? And I was like, oh, I told him I got to go get these papers out of the garbage can in my room. And he's like, oh, you know, those papers aren't going to be in the garbage can anymore, right? And I was like, no, where are they going to be? And he's like, oh, they empty out all the garbage cans into the dumpster behind the church after Sunday is over, which I didn't know, but I still really wanted those papers. So I went in my garage and I got out a rake and I got a ladder because I didn't want to get stuck in the dumpster forever. And your favorite part of this story is as I'm driving to the church, Greg, my husband calls and says, hi, what are you doing? And I say to him, I'm about to go climb in the dumpster behind the church. And he says this, oh, okay, call me when you're done. As if I just <laughs> get in dumpsters all the time. Like, he wasn't like, what? Or nothing. It was like, okay, well, just call me when you get out. Um, so, and I remember like, has anyone ever gotten in a dumpster before? Because I just want you to think about this. I can clearly remember standing on the edge of that dumpster and just thinking to myself, who's going to be in there with me? You know that moment of like little furry things? It still makes me so nervous right now. It's fine. I jumped in the dumpster, everybody. It was in like the third plastic bag. I found them. Luckily, I knew what I was looking for. I pulled out the papers. I got myself out of the dumpster. And then I got in my car and I laid them out. And sure enough, 
they were all there, thank heavens, because this is what had happened. Everyone in the class had drawn the same thing, exactly what you think they were gonna draw. That's what they drew on there, except for two of the boys. And their paper, their white paper, all it said on it was Jesus. That's it, just in great big letters, Jesus. And I loved it. I thought, I looked at it and I was like, that was God's plan mm -hmm. from the very beginning. That is the plan of salvation. It's Jesus. And I can remember telling the boys, let's talk about like, why did you choose that word? And we went through what role did Jesus play in, in, in the pre-mortal life? And what role does Jesus play on earth? And what role does he play in the, um, in paradise, in the spirit prison? And what role does he play in the judgment? And what role does he play in all of these places? And all of a sudden you realize Jesus is everywhere. There's not one circle or arrow or line that isn't, Jesus does not have a role in that part of the plan. And it was such a good lesson for me to think every time I, I read that plan of salvation, I just need to think to myself, is Jesus. He was mm -hmm. God's plan from the very beginning. It was exactly what you're talking about. Him on the cross with the spikes, that was the plan. That, that was the plan. That's how he was going to save. He didn't bring the family together and say, listen, everybody, this is how I'm going to save you. I'm going to send you here and da, 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 da. it was let me introduce you to your my older plan brother of salvation this yeah. is him salvation himself and nephi when he's about to quote isaiah before he hands the pen over to jacob he he gives this line in chapter six i speak that you may learn and glorify your god that's why i'm going to quote isaiah that's why i'm going to let jacob have um some time in the plates because i want you to learn and glorify God for, for what he's done. And what a great like motivation for any and everything that we do. For I, I, I'm going to go into scripture study so I may learn and glorify God. I'm, I'm going to go to the temple so I can learn and glorify God. You're speaking in sacramenting. What's your topic? Mm, doesn't matter. At the end, I want everybody to learn and glorify God. Like that is what we're doing, why we're gathering, mm -hmm. you know. So that we can all say, oh, how great the plan of our God. Or in other words, oh, how great is Jesus. And how great is God for sending him. So. Oh, we loved this one too. Okay, you can't Good wait. More Isaiah next time. Yes, you're going to love up. it. <laughs> this audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.